We are back for episode 12 of the Texas Time Capsule Podcast. Thank you for listening. Here with Ben and Drew, I'm Steven. No interview in this episode. It's the first one in how long, Ben? At least a few episodes. Yeah, it's been a while since it's been just the three of us, so hopefully our listeners won't just cut it off. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope they don't cut it off because... This is a really interesting topic today. I want to first start by posing a question. Who do you guys consider to be the man who built Texas? Uh, It's an easy answer. Stephen F. Austin is the father of Texas, you know, brought everybody uh, here originally for on the American side. So I, I think he's the one that got the whole thing going as far as creating modern day Texas. Drew, uh, that's an okay answer, but I'm going to try to argue that it's someone you may never have heard of. Someone that didn't even live in Texas. The man responsible for building Texas into what it is today was a fellow named Willis Carrier. We're going to talk about Willis Carrier, but first let's open up our time capsule for episode 12 The Man Who Built Texas. <laughs> Number one, Salem Witch Trials. Number two, New York Stock Exchange. Number three, Montgomery Ward. From June through September, the average high temperature in Dallas is 90 degrees or higher. The average humidity in Houston is over 70% year-round. The battle versus the heat and humidity in Texas is constant and was quite the deterrent until the early 20th century when Willis Carrier came along and even the playing field with his life-changing invention, the air conditioner. And you've probably heard of Carrier brand AC units. Oh yeah, that's a common name. Yep, that's his namesake. It's difficult to argue that one invention changed life in Texas more than the AC unit. So in this episode, we're going to explore that and show you why Willis Carrier was responsible for building Texas in the modern sense. Drew's going to tell us a little about who Willis Carrier was, but I think my favorite thing about him, Ben, is that his great-grandmother was a witch. Wow, really? What's the story there? Well, you know what a witch is. She was a witch. Interesting story. (laughs) His great-grandmother was tried, convicted, and killed in the Salem Witch Trials. Wow, goes yeah, back so, that far. Yeah, right? she was a witch. There you go. Okay, Drew, go ahead and tell us now about Willis Carrier's early life and how he would come to invent the AC unit. All right, so Willis Carrier uh, was born 1876 in Angola, New York. Uh, he graduated from Cornell University. Uh, and he worked for a company called the Buffalo Forge Corporation in Buffalo, New York. And that's where he created... Um, what we know is some of the first AC systems, and it was response to a problem that was happening at a uh, a company in New York, and it was the uh, Sackett Wilhelm's Publishing Company in Brooklyn. And uh, essentially, they were having a problem with uh, the humidity in the building was affecting what they what was happening with the paper that they were using. If you guys have ever been to New York City, you don't think of it that much, but it's actually a fairly humid place. Um, and this humidity was really causing a snag in their uh, manufacturing. And so this led to him creating 
a system that would dehumidify uh, the air. And it was really, they weren't trying to cool the building to make it in a way more comfortable. It was more of a factory invention more than it was a human comfort invention. So the problem they were having is that when they were doing the printing, the paper would expand and contract because of the humidity. So they needed something that they could keep the temperature of the paper and the humidity consistent so they wouldn't have that issue. So what you're telling us, Drew, is he didn't even start out doing this with the intention of making your bedroom cool or your you know a shopping mall cool. It was no. Totally different. No, he was not concerned about helping us not to sweat when we're inside when he created this. So, <laughs> okay. Um, so it led to humidity control and temperature. It circulate and cleanse the air. Um, and so the following year, um, that was in 1902 he came up with that. 1903, the New York Stock Exchange invested in it, and they were – they're considered to be the first building in the world to have AC for human comfort. Was installed there at the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Nineteen eleven, he published a really famous. Um, I guess you could say this was a, a book. Um, it was called the Rationale of Psychometric Formula. Sounds like a riveting. Yeah, book. yeah. It sounds like something <laughs> that'll probably help you get fall asleep at night. But it's considered the Magna Carta of air conditioning. So if, for all our AC people out there that work in that industry, I'm sure you guys know uh, what that was that Carrier came up with. Yeah, everyone run out and buy that book and read it cover to cover. <laughs> <laughs> so um, essentially Carrier, I mean, he invested, um, him and some others invested a lot in their different companies, kind of bounced around from New Jersey uh, to different areas. During the World War I time frame, so 1914, 1918, Willis Carrier and his associates break off from that Buffalo Forge Corporation and create the carrier company that we now know today. That way they could pursue the air conditioning, whereas his previous company, it sounded like they had other business interests. They wanted to go a different yes. direction. So they solely went into the idea of creating air conditioning for human comfort. Uh, 1922, they adjusted the design with a central compressor. Um, they made it smaller, probably easier in a way to put into buildings uh, and things like that. The original one was massive mm -hmm. um, and could take up a whole room. So um, that was kind of the catalyst because putting in that compressor allowed it to be smaller and also more affordable, which allowed for its uses to be more applicable across a wider range of you know, whether it was a building or how, homes, et cetera, et cetera. And the last thing, uh, 1939 at the World's Fair in St. Louis, Carrier presented what was called uh, his igloo. Uh, and it gave people a glimpse into the future. It was essentially a giant uh, kind of igloo building that you could walk into that you walked in there and it was, it was cool. Uh, I'm sure the people that walked in there probably felt pretty amazing. Um, An experience. Yeah. And after... World War II and the post-economic boom, that's when we really see air conditioning become very popular and more affordable for the everyday person. Yeah, and what a better place for Willis Carrier to promote his invention than the state of Texas. I mean, a very target-rich environment for air conditioning, right? <laughs> they think the first public building to be air conditioned in Texas was the first Presbyterian church in orange, Texas. 
But I think the most prominent was the Milam building in San Antonio. This, in 1928, would be the first air-conditioned high-rise building in the entire United States. The air conditioning system was 300 tons. I mean, it's huge. These, these systems were very expensive and very difficult to install. And an interesting thing about how these AC systems became commonplace was that research was done into employee productivity. And what they found in a lot of these companies that had AC systems was that the employees were more productive. So it made it cost effective. Exactly. Yes. It made it more cost effective to install these systems and you start to see more and more buildings get AC systems. And that was a total game changer because now they could charge more for rent. I mean, think about how much more they could charge their tenants. I mean, in the neighborhood of 15 to 20% more because it's air conditioned. And number two, they had a restaurant at the bottom of the building called the Milam Grill. And they would have people coming from all over the city and they would stand in line. There'd be a line down the street for people to eat lunch at the Milam Grill because it was like it had AC. And so it's just a total game changer. But I think the earliest adopters were movie theaters and hotel. Okay. So, like the hotel and indus- entertainment industry, air condition was a huge boom for them. The St. Anthony Hotel in San Antonio claims to be the first in the world to have AC in 1909. Now, these are claims. Like, I don't know exactly how accurate, but... You know, a lot of these places like to claim the superlative, right. but you can't really know in this right. you know, this format. It's, it's kind of a bragging rights. Yeah, well, for the purpose of this conversation, we're just going to go with it. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> The Palace Theater in Houston claims to be the first in Texas in 1924. But the Majestic Theater in San Antonio also makes that claim, although it didn't open until 1929. But you can understand why the AC unit was such a transformative invention for the entertainment industry, specifically theaters. Imagine sitting in a, in a crowded theater back in the times where there's no AC, how uncomfortable that would be. And how that might change the uh, the attractiveness for the that theater to get people to come in and watch a movie. So in the summertime, you're probably not going to have that many people coming in. And what happened when AC started to become more popular is that you started getting more people coming in, and you there was an an interesting new concept that came about was the summer blockbuster. You start to hear that word come into the lexicon. and uh, Right, because before that, there was no such thing as summer blockbusters. No one wanted to sit in a movie theater when it was 100 uh-huh. degrees outside. Yeah, so it created kind of a new cultural, not a movement, but it, it, it changed the way that people lived. So another thing these, these theaters would do to draw customers in is at the entrance, the doorways, they would keep them open and blow cool air out into the street so the passers-by would feel that that sensation. And you got to imagine, put yourself in that time frame where you're in Houston in the middle of July and people wear, they wear a lot of yes. heavy clothes back in those wore, days. Wool. They wore, yeah, they all wore rents to yeah. work and stuff. And so imagine that blast of cool air. It was total novelty to them. 
right. and it would bring people inside. And that's, that's one of the ways that these theaters became successful and the, the air conditioning systems made that possible. And that's a great point because I bet there were some people that didn't care about seeing a movie, but would just pay to sit inside. The yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. And you know, you got to think about the time that this started to become a normal thing around the forties, fifties, sixties speaking generally, you start to see these large flashing lights, the, the kind of neon lights mm-hmm. and, and cool air you're getting into here. We're getting into the, the modern world as we know it. Right which is something that we take for granted. And th- this is when, it's, when it all started. The 1920s is when the theaters and the hotels started implementing it, the entertainment industry, let's call it. But then a lot of that growth was slowed in the 1930s by the Great Depression. During World War II, AC was important because a lot of the workers, like in the manufacturing sector, mm-hmm. they had AC to... Um, keep them somewhat cool. And that goes back to the productivity point that you made earlier, Ben. So that was very helpful during World War II. And then in the 1950s, that's when it became, AC became more and more prevalent. Yeah, the economy came roaring back. Exactly. Experienced that prosperity. And part of that was in 1959. The Big South Mall in Mesquite, Texas, was the first enclosed air-conditioned mall in the country. That's a big one. Yeah, and the anchor stores for that mall, Drew, were J.C. Penney and Montgomery Ward. Two of uh, America's finest stores there. <laughs> That's what I said. Mont- Montgomery Ward, yeah, that one went defunct too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that mall was in Mesquite was demolished in 2006, so it's no longer with us. <laughs> but... I want to pivot to a different structure that, for the life of me, I can't understand why it hasn't been demolished yet, and that is the Houston Astrodome. (laughs) That could be a whole episode in and of itself. Yeah. So, 1965 is when the Houston Astrodome was built, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably very familiar with it, but AC made an indoor stadium possible, and... And that's why everyone, when you hear them talk about the Astrodome, they talk about how it was just... It, the it was, eighth wonder of the world. Exactly. Eighth wonder of the world. You couldn't even conceptualize it, but it was all made possible by air conditioning. And the crazy thing was they were concerned when they were building the Astrodome that because you were going to have sunlight coming in to an enclosed structure, that they were going to have like clouds inside the oh. stadium and fog. And uh-huh. the biggest concern was not just the weather like that could form, but back then everybody smoked. So you had to- uh-huh. tobacco smoke w- would fill the inside of the stadium and people between that and the condensation, and everything else, you wouldn't be able to see the game because it'd just be like a fog to where you wouldn't, you, there would be no visibility. Uh-huh. So what they did was they had to run an experiment to see what the threshold was going to be. So they built a glass box and they put two or three engineers inside of a glass box. And on the other side of the glass, they had a TV, a color TV playing a baseball game. And then they just pumped, you know, fog and smoke wow. into the glass box. And they had the engineers, they knew at a certain capacity of smoke 
they couldn't see the game anymore. And so they knew they used that as the target moving forward for the ace, the air condition to know, okay, here's how much fog or clouds or whatever is going to be allowed to where the spectators could still see the game. Yeah. So the spirit of Willis carrier lives on through those engineers. It's that, it's that engineering mind that, um, makes this possible. What Willis did in the, in when he first came up with the idea, he was thinking outside the box. He wasn't trying to control the temperature. What he came up with was he, he started with 100% humidity and decided to pump dry air into the, mm-hmm. the room. Mm-hmm. And so it's that, it's that thinking outside of the box that made these, these solutions possible. The Astrodome required 2.5 million cubic feet of air every minute. To keep that place cool and keep the climate. I can't even understand that that (laughs) unit. The other place that was greatly affected by this, Drew, right across the freeway from the Astrodome, is where they would build Astroworld. And Astroworld, even though it was an outdoor amusement park, they built a 2,400-ton underground AC unit to cool parts of the amusement park because they just knew, I mean, it was so hot. They're like, okay, we have to have some area where people can go for refuge. And, and that's part of what made Astroworld so successful is they did have cool areas inside the park. What areas of the park were those? Cause they, you can, they had those misting yeah, areas and the wind would blow it. You'd go in there thinking that you'd get cooled off and it never really worked. Yeah, so it was just like blowing water in your face, yeah, yeah. like hot water. <laughs> Yeah, and we're going to talk about Astroworld in depth in a future episode. So, free little sneak peek there for you guys. Get ready, it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> Those are kind of some of the the cool Texas places and buildings and structures that were greatly impacted and transformed by AC. And that carried over into the population and the population growth. In, the, in Texas in the South. Yeah, 1940s, post-World uh, War II, but 50s and 60s, you know, the United States, we see a pretty big a population shift from people that lived in the Midwest, the Northeast. Many people started to move South, lots of it economic um, opportunities, but probably in the back of their mind, hey, I can go south because now I can have an air conditioning system in my house, or and so right. or my business that I'm going to have, I'm going to have an air conditioned, you know, place. So that probably led many people to move south, and is definitely something that has helped Texas. I mean, would grow you, and attract people. Would you live here if there weren't AC? No. no. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I mean, to say that AAC has benefited Texas is an understatement. It has greatly, greatly benefited the right. state. Right. And Drew, I want to I kind of round off this discussion by going back to what something Ben said about that population growth was driven by the fact that there had to be, a, there was an amount of time where people had to begin to conceptualize what air conditioning was. And that's been the point you made earlier. Once that idea was ingrained and that experience had been ingrained in people, that's when you saw that population boom in movement. There's so many impacts that are you wouldn't think about. 
if you look at older buildings, right? Older buildings would have windows, but you wouldn't have full full walls of windows, right? Because the sunlight getting through a huge wa- window wall would heat up the buildings so much that mm-hmm. people, you know, you couldn't have that. You had to have windows that went up and down. The fact that you had AC allowed the modern building architecture where you have the windows mm-hmm. from floor to ceiling. Mm-hmm. None of that was possible before mm-hmm. air conditioning. So there's just there's so many things you don't think about that it's impacted. Yeah, we definitely take it for granted. You know, we're talking about history here. It's always a fun mental exercise to put yourself back in time to try to imagine what it must have been like and how difficult and uncomfortable it was without AC. And to fast forward to how much we take it for granted now, I think Houston may be one of the most air-conditioned places in the world. Gotta be. And you got to think about how we live today. We, we wake up in our air-conditioned home. We, get, we go somewhere. We hop in the car. We got air conditioning. You get to the place you're going to. It's got air conditioning. And we're always in this – we have the sense of comfort. But it reminds me of – there was a, a trip I took to New York City a couple of years ago where you know it's a different city. You get up. You walk to where you got to go. You got to get mm-hmm. on the subway and whatnot. And we think of Houston as being super hot. But in New York, you're, you, you have to suffer the heat more. Even though it's it's hotter in Texas, right? And so that, that you know that sense of you know we how much we take it for granted this this air conditioning and how common it is in our lives. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the largest factory in the state of Texas—it's actually the third largest factory in the country behind the Boeing factory and the Tesla factory—but the the largest factory in the state of Texas is a factory that builds air conditioning units. It's appropriate. <laughs> exactly. It's the Daikin factory. It's out in Waller, which is northwest of oh, Houston. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So if if you've heard of uh, Goodman AC units, that brand is owned by Daikin. And they're building them 30 miles from Houston in, uh, in Waller, Texas. So very fitting. I don't know of an invention that changed Texas or built Texas more than the air conditioning unit, other than maybe the drilling rig. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only one yeah. I can think of, maybe. I don't think it even compares to Willis Carrier's AC unit. Mm-hmm. For its impact on every single person, right? Exactly. And that's the reason why we feel that Willis Carrier is really the man responsible for building Texas into what it is today. No disrespect to Stephen F. Austin or Sam Houston, but <laughs> you kind of get it. Right, right. I don't know if this was our best episode, guys, but it was definitely our coolest episode. Yeah. Get it? Coolest? Coolest. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, we better stop there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode 12 of the Texas Time Capsule podcast. Hop onto our Instagram page. We'll post some pictures of Willis Carrier and the Milam building in San Antonio, and we'll speak with you next time when we open up another Texas Time Capsule.